Hello, my dear friend. Squiring the Phoenix, Chapter 5 Hang on, I must have misheard you, Tony said in disbelief. Say that again. Lambert Smythe frowned. The Jamino curse creates worthless copies of an object, he obligingly repeated. When you say worthless, what exactly do you mean? Like if you copy a piece of gold, the result is made of lead or something? No one would create gold, he said with a frown. The goblins are in a permanent state of war with anyone who performs counterfeiting or tampers with the valuable metal supply. Tony shook her head in frustration. Ah, that's not the... Okay, fine. Forget the gold. If you duplicate, say, a diamond, is it made out of glass? He shook his head. No, the copy is indistinguishable from the original in the beginning. It simply degrades fairly rapidly. In general, it decomposes into dust and then to nothing within a few days. Tony stared at him. He couldn't really be this thick, could... Oh, wait, wizards. Right. She rubbed her head for a moment in frustration. Will the copy possess any magical properties of the original? She asked. Hmm, said thoughtfully. I don't actually know. So far as I'm aware, no one's ever actually checked that. Tony gave him a narrow-eyed look. You're pranking me, aren't you? What? No, why would I do that? He asked in apparently honest confusion. You're paying me for consultation. I have a reputation to maintain. She rubbed her head again and then said with nigh-infinite patience, Would you please cast Gemino on your wand, and then check to see if you can cast spells with the copy? I'm afraid I can't, he said. It requires a flick of the wand at the target. There's no way to flick a wand at itself. Oh, she said. I do have a mokeskin pouch with me, if that would suffice, he said. Yes, absolutely do that. He took something invisible off his belt, twitched his wand at it with a quick, Gemino, and then picked up something invisible just to the right of the invisible thing he had originally put down. He mimed opening a bag and peering in, then stuck his arm in up to the shoulder. Ah, fascinating, he said. Yes, not only did it duplicate the pouch, but all the contents as well. Here's my pipe, my tobacco, my copy of uh, mm, some reading material, my broom. Yes, everything seems to be here. He reclaimed his arm and gave her a broad smile. Ah, very clever indeed. Still, of limited use, the broom will fall apart in two or three days, so I'm better off sticking to the real one. She sighed. Is there any reason you can think of that smoking the duplicated tobacco would be dangerous? She said. Uh, no, I can't think so, he said slowly. The duplicates will degenerate within a few days, meaning any smoke that was still in my lungs would turn to dust and then vanish. I wouldn't recommend doing it with food, or smoking duplicated tobacco on a regular basis, but there shouldn't be any harmful level of particulates left in the lungs from smoking a small amount. If you're sure it's safe, would you please try it? She asked. He shrugged, pulled a pipe and tobacco from nowhere, and lit up. Hmm, Yes, quite good, he said in approval. Is it the same as the original, as far as you can tell? She asked. He nodded, extinguishing the pipe and tapping out the remaining contents, which he then vanished. Indeed, still a bit of curiosity, isn't it? I wouldn't recommend smoking duplicate tobacco regularly, and the stuff is cheap enough that it's just as easy to buy it. 
She took a deep breath, determined not to lose her temper. Would you come with me, please? She turned and led him back into the lab. Aubrey looked up and gave her a wave as she came in, then went back to what he was working on. She led Smythe over to the cooler, where the troll and unicorn blood samples were kept, pulled out a vial of each. Could you please duplicate these for me? She asked. He shrugged and did so. She took the resulting duplicates, put them in the mixer, and pressed the start button. A minute later, when the samples had been properly combined, she took the results out, loaded it into an injector, and pulled a mouse out of one of the nearest cages. Properly speaking, I should have planned I should have a planned procedure and controls set up before doing this, she said, injecting the mixture into the mouse. Right now, though, I just want to do a quick test to see if the idea is completely silly on the face of it. With a scalpel from one of the drawers, she made a small incision on the mouse's left forefoot, which promptly closed. She set the mouse carefully back in its cage, walked silent to the autoclave to deposit her scalpel, and switched the device on. Wizards, she muttered. Please try to hold very still, the technician said. Millie Mockle-Worthington lay still, happily tapping her toes together and twiddling her thumbs where her hands were folded on her stomach. Ma'am, please try to remain still, the technician said with admirable patience. That means your hands and feet as well. Millie sighed. Oh, fine. You muggles and your silly ideas. She sighed again and went still. Thank you, the technician growled, carefully pushing mute on the mic first. The goddamn witch, finally having stopped her goddamn fidgeting, he pushed the button to slide the table inside the MRI and activate the scanner. Gotta say, Doc, the technician said to the reacher beside him, I'm pretty sure you're right. Magic really must cause brain damage. I hope you can figure out how to fix it. Perry was on Joel's shoulder every moment now, and never stopped singing. It made life a lot more pleasant for everyone who worked with Joel. The song of the phoenix soothed away worries and frustrations, made headaches vanish, temporarily suppressed the symptoms of a cold, and left people cheerful and energized for hours. Do you guys think it's weird that Perry sings constantly? Karen asked. He didn't used to when they first came in. Davis shrugged. I don't know. Maybe he's just happy because things are going so well? Yeah, but it's weird and a little disturbing, she said. I mean, when you're around them, you can't help but feel good. It's like the birds shooting up with Prozac. There's a whole question of free will here. Davis looked at her in disbelief. Are you seriously complaining about the fact that you're in a better mood when the bird is singing at you? She grimaced. Well, I don't know. It's bothering me is all. I think next time I see him, I'm going to ask him not to do it around me anymore. I'd rather be... Karen, instead of being forced to be hap- happy, cheerful Karen all the time? Davis shrugged. I think you're nuts. But sure, whatever. Now, can we get back to the designs? We've got a review meeting in two days, and they aren't finished yet. Good evening. I'm Peter Jennings, and you're watching ABC World News Tonight. In a surprise announcement today, China has declared that it will be nationalizing its wizard community. In the future, all Chinese wizards will be considered national assets. Although they will be given all possible comforts, they will also be required to perform assignments as directed by the Office of the President. 
In addition, they will be required to donate sperm and eggs on a regular basis in order to enlarge the national wizarding population. The United States, Britain, and most European nations have all raised strident objections to these policies, from both among the wizarding and mundane populations. Economic sanctions are being discussed and may go into effect as soon as next week. In technology news, scientists at MIT have completed analysis on the transfigured carbon nanotubes, samples provided by Harry Potter. The actual analysis was completed under the effects of liquid luck, but all results were checked afterwards under normal conditions. And they feel confident that they can go into large-scale production within three months. Finally, NASA has announced that the deployment of the Icarus constellation of solar power satellites has been successful. President Clinton will be on hand for a ceremony at Cape Canaveral tomorrow in order to press the button to activate the satellites, after which America will be free of dependency on fossil fuels. In addition, there will be a surplus of nearly 100 gigawatts, which will be sold to Canada and Mexico. Satellite deployment will continue, and it is expected that within 10 years, the entire North American continent will be powered exclusively from space. The corporation is already building solar recharging stations around the country to take advantage of the nearly free energy to power their new cars. Hey, Karen, you want to see us? Joel asked as he walked into her office and sprawled out in a chair, crossing his lanky legs at the ankle. He'd really shot up over the last eight years. The skinny teenager had been replaced by a six-foot-two young man with some serious muscle from horsing around satellites. Even with Perry taking most of the weight, the things still weren't light. Perry's liquid trills flowed through the room in a river of happiness, and Karen felt the tension in her shoulders vanish. Yeah, she said. I have a favor to ask. Perry, could you stop singing for a minute? The bird completely ignored her. Even through the happiness imposed by the phoenix song, Karen frowned. This wasn't right. Perry was a very considerate person. He worked smoothly with the rest of the team and was pretty much always willing to donate a feather for study, shift heavy equipment around, or whatever else they needed. Occasionally, someone would ask for something unreasonable just as a joke, and he would give them a look of disgust and flip the feathers. But she couldn't think of a time he'd refused a reasonable request. Joel shrugged. Sorry, Karen. He just seems happy these days. I think it's because things are going so well with the program. We're really making a difference. You know, we can't exactly communicate in words, but he feels kind of smug about the fact that he and his person have done more to help humanity than any other phoenix ever. He smiled in tolerant amusement and scratched Perry's chest feathers. I sometimes imagine all the phoenixes getting together around the water cooler and Perry strutting up and down and going, oh, who the man? Oh yeah, it me, it me, oh yeah. And all the other phoenixes sighing and bowing their heads. Karen laughed. She was sure that, even without Phoenix Song, it would have been a funny image. With the song, it was hilarious. Which was sort of the problem, actually. She couldn't trust her own sense of humor around the bird. Still, there was nothing for it. She couldn't exactly tape Perry's beak shut. Okay, never mind, she said. Anyway, the final design review is being done for the Mars-based dome components, and I want to get your input. You'll be asked to join the review committee tomorrow, so for now, I want to go over things that with you one-on-one to make sure we've optimized for your carry capacity, work out the best timetables for deliveries, and generally make sure that neither of you sees any issues. In addition to the components themselves, you'll be taking along a team that will do the setup while you haul new elements up. Anyway, here's the basic component design. Hey, big brain, 
Got any word back on applications? Pat asked with a grin. Based on the fact that the girl was right in the middle of her happy dance, he was pretty sure he knew the answer. She brandished a fistful of envelopes at him. I got in! I got in! I got in! Woohoo! He snickered. The 20-year-old version of Hermione was a lot more socially apt, and a lot less of a spaz than her 12-year-old self had been, but sometimes the younger Hermione still peeked out. And where did you get in, if I may ask? He said with exaggerated politeness. Everywhere! Oxford, Cambridge, Princeton, Stanford, MIT, everywhere! Eee! By now, she was just vibrating in place, clutching the envelopes to her chest and bouncing up and down at super speed, so fast that Zare hopped to a nearby bookshelf with a disgruntled squawk. He laughed. That's lovely. You've totally earned it. Now, do I need to leave you alone for a minute, or do you think you can come down to Earth? Lunar City just finished digging the gamma tunnels, and squee! He shook his head with a smile and went down to the lounge to get some coffee. When he came back, he pushed the doors open, already saying, Okay, so we've got these new... Squee! (laughs) He shook his head and headed back to the lounge to drink some coffee. There were 80 new colonists waiting in the launch bay. They could wait a little longer. Well, that explains a lot, Dan said, leaning back in his chair and studying the scans thoughtfully. So, are we really going to publish this? Bill asked hesitantly. I mean, what happens if the wizards find out that casting spells really does cause brain damage? Dan looked unhappy. I think we have to, or the grant goes away. We can keep it dull, though. Title it something like comparative imaging of enhanced and non-enhanced cerebral tissue. Avoid using the word magic mundane or brain damage. Maybe it can go under the radar. We have an obligation to tell the wizards what's happening to them, don't you think? Bill said. I mean, not telling them would basically be letting them hurt themselves. It would be like not telling people that asbestos is bad for them when they're breathing it every day. Dad's Dan scrubbed his face. Look, I don't like it either, but this is like cold fusion. It's such a strong claim, but we better be absolutely sure before we say anything. What if we're wrong? We freak people out and ruin our reputations for nothing. For that matter, these results raise more questions than they answer. Why are the effects so specific? Wizards don't lose memories or the ability to speak. They just get wacky. Purple robes and green hats, all that stuff. And they don't see simple possibilities that are perfectly obvious. Shoot, my daughter came up with all sorts of ways to exploit Aquamente, and she's only four. It's not even all of them. Some of the wizards are perfectly sensible. Like that Potter kid who's been doing all the work in nanotube production and biogerontology? Granger over in the UKSA? Even Slughorn seems pretty balanced from what I've seen of his presentations. Why does it only affect some of them? Maybe it's a genetic thing? Bill suggested. Aren't Potter and Granger both from mundane families? Dan took off his glasses and scrubbed his face with both hands. Not sure. I think I remember some article in one of the journals talking about the Slughorn family as one of the oldest in Wizarding Britain. So he's probably a pure blood. And Potter was adopted. Not sure what his genetic parents were. Anyway, good thought. Let's look into it. And let's do it fast. You're right, that if it's true, we need to tell them all quickly. Yeah. Yeah, said Bill unhappily. Also, I've got a friend over at Caltech who can check the results. She'll keep it on the down low if I ask at least for a while. 
The cave in Poland was very soothing, nice and small, the walls almost within reach. The lanterns surrounding him lit the space quite well, banishing even the slightest trace of darkness and leaving him to study the colors of the flowstone around him. Joel sat cross-legged, leaning back against one wall and taking deep breaths. The asteroid mining robot that he was supposed to be deploying was sitting in an abandoned warehouse in Detroit. It would be safe until he had prepared himself for being out from under the protective aura of Perry's song. The Xanax had kicked in about ten minutes ago, so it was time to get moving. His doctor said he was getting near the maximum safe dose and was looking around for a better course of treatment. For now, it was enough to get him through the two-minute dump-and-go deployment as long as he was careful to only look at the asteroid under his feet instead of the stars around him. I'm sorry, Mr. Morrison is in a meeting right now, the receptionist said. Could you please have a seat? He'll be with you shortly. Janie shrugged. That works for me. I'm paid by the hour. If he wants to keep me cool in my heels at 100 bucks a minute, I've got no problem with that. She dropped into one of the leather bowhouse chairs and pulled a copy of Harry Potter, the Philosopher's Stone, out of her backpack. Potter's biography was one of the more interesting things she'd read this year. She was excited to hear that were supposed to be six more books. $4,000 later, the receptionist's phone buzzed with an internal call. She picked it up, listened, and responded quietly enough that Janie didn't catch the words. Three seconds later, Morrison came bustling out of his office. Terribly sorry to keep you waiting, he said, carefully not using her name in front of his receptionist. I didn't realize you were here. Please, won't you join me? Janie made a point of folding down the corner of her page tucking the book and tucking the book away before standing up, glancing pointedly at her watch, and preceded him into his office. Once inside, she was all business. I need your signature on this, she said, pulling out two copies of a document and setting them on his desk. It's the standard form that says that you will accept my statements under Veritas Serum and absolve me of all responsibility in the event that the information has been leaked elsewhere or if it was taken from me by force and I was then obliviated. He read through it quickly and signed both copies. She tucked away one in her backpack and then pulled out a giant stone bowl that was far too big to fit in the pack. Here's the sieve, she said, setting it on his desk. It's a Gemini, so you've got one, maybe two days before it decomposes. I assume you've got the Veritas serum? Yes, of course, he said, rifling his desk drawer for a small bottle and handling it to her, handing it to her. She set one drop on her tongue and handed him back the bottle. I have made no copies of information I am about to present to you, nor have I communicated it to anyone else. So far as I am aware, what I am about to give you is the only copy of that information in existence outside of the original source. I am not a perfect occlumence, and therefore this testimony under Veritaserum may be considered reliable. Okay, here's the memory, she said, tapping her wand to her temple and pulling out a thin silver string. She dropped it in the bowl and closed up her bag. Whatever the information is, I hope it's worth all the secrecy, she told him. Payment is due on receipt, in cash, so I'll need that now. Absolutely, he said, trying not to stare in fascination at the wavering silver pool. Just head down the hall to your right and tell the CFO the amount. He'll have the cash ready. Pleasure doing bis business with you, Janie Mnemonic said, walking out of the office.
Harry stared at the Jumbotron in amazement as, sa- as the satellite so far above them began to extrude carbon nanotubes from both sides. The fact that the nanotube assemblers had been designed, built, tested, and deployed in under two years was a feat of engineering that bordered on the miraculous. It would have been utterly impossible without enough liquid luck to make a series of 8,000 lightning bolts destroy the lab where the work had been done and everything for a mile around. All the lab workers had been killed in the process, but the data had been carefully streamed off-site in real time, so none of it was lost. All the lab workers had been terminal cancer patients who understood that this was a suicide job, and the lab had been carefully built in the middle of nowhere in South Dakota, with the expectation of its destruction. No matter how much collateral damage had been caused, the job had succeeded. A cheer went up from everyone watching. It would be days before the cable actually touched down, but this was it. Once the thin anchor cable had been secured, robot spinners could run additional lines up it until the resulting tower was strong enough to support thousands of tons of people and cargo moving up and down in simple elevator cars. For a certain segment of humanity, this was the Holy Grail, a space elevator. Humanity could now reach space and from there the stars without needing a phoenix. Harry wiped away the tears and swallowed around the lump in his throat. Good evening, my fellow Americans, President Bush's tailors and speech coaches had done their absolute best to give him a sense of gravitas. The best they had been able to manage was pinched. Still, it was the words and actions that were needed, not charisma. The fall of the Twin Towers is a tragedy from which America is still reeling. Search and rescue efforts are underway, and I offer my thanks and prayers to all the brave men and women of the mundane and magical community who have stepped up to assist in the time of trouble. The magical healing has saved dozens of lives for which we are eternally grateful. Despite all that magic and medicine can do, thousands of Americans have lost their lives, and hundreds more are yet to be found. Several square miles of Manhattan are considered unsafe to live due to the potentially harmful smoke and dust fallout from the towers. FEMA is in talks with the wizarding community to see if there is a way to clear the dust magically, although it is too soon to have an answer. The terrorist organization Al-Qaeda has stepped forward to claim responsibility for the act. In a recorded video message, the head of the organization, Osama bin Laden, has declared that attack was motivated by, and I quote, the alliance of the great Satan with the devil spawn of magic. Bush paused, his face tight and clearly suppressed anger. In the wake of the 9-11 tragedy, I authorized deployment of magical authorized deployment of magical intelligence gathering assets. Wizards employed at the CIA dispatched an owl to deliver a letter to bin Laden. The contents were quite simple. We are coming. A mixed unit of Delta Force operatives followed the owl. Upon discovering the location of their target, the wizarding operators slide along apparated their mundane cohorts into bin Laden's headquarters. 27 Al-Qaeda members were killed and 18 captured, including bin Laden himself. As these individuals were taken as prisoners of war, our military was free to use legitimacy to obtain critical information about the rest of the organization. Like most terrorist organizations, Al-Qaeda was organized as a series of cells, each of which answered to only one handler. Not even bin Laden himself was aware of all members of the organization. This did not save them. 
Despite the best efforts, Delta Force worked their way through the chain of handlers in under 24 hours. To the best of our knowledge, every single member of Al-Qaeda is either in custody or dead. He paused, allowing those words to sink in. Captured members will be tried as military prisoners, meaning they have no right to Fifth Amendment protection. They will be interrogated under Veritaserum, and those admitting to terrorist crimes will be executed, should any member of the organization be discovered. Who are not who have not performed any actual acts of terrorism, they will be convicted as accomplices before the fact and sentenced to life imprisonment at Leavenworth Federal Pen- Penitentiary. In this time of sorrow, my heart goes out to all those who have lost loved ones or homes. Rest assured, I will do all that is in my power to aid you in this time of trouble. All those recovered who are injured will be given healing at federal expense in order to fully restore them. Where we are able to recover the bodies, Congress has authorized emergency funding to perform full resurrections. As you are aware, performing a resurrection requires the assistance of someone who is close, has a close connection to the deceased. FEMA will be establishing a registry in Manhattan. Anyone who has lost someone in the attack is encouraged to sign up so that we can reach you in the event that your loved one's body is recovered. America has taken a terrible blow this week. Yet still we stand in the face of adversity, we shall not yield. In the face of attack, we shall conquer. To those in the world who ally themselves with Al-Qaeda or believe in their cause, I say this, bring it on. We will do to you what we have done to the cowards that struck innocent men and women. If you feel that your cause is worth dying for, we will be glad to help you with that. Thank you. Good night. End chapter 5. Be well, my friend.